Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. And if you've listened to the podcast in the past, and I hope you have, or please go back and look or listen, um, you know, I've talked to people from every state, from Maine to Hawaii, Florida to Alaska, from school board to U.S. Senate and all points and all races in between. There are 500,000 elected positions in this country. Many of them go uncontested or poorly contested. Uh, And 2024 is a very important election year, obviously. Every election year is important. One of the states that always gets coverage, always gets attention, no matter the election, no matter the um, polls or whatever, is the state of Florida. I'm going back there today, well, virtually, uh, to talk to my new friend, Phil Carter, who is running for the state legislature there in, in Florida going to tell me what's going on there, why he's running, and hopefully why you should run too. Phil, thanks for talking today. Thank you for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, I always talk to people. The first question is, have you always been politically engaged? I know you're a veteran. You've served the country. So um, that's obviously being engaged in civil service, but has politics always been important to you? It's always been important to me, Tony, uh, but the only real experience that I have in it was when I went to college after the military and I was the uh, president of the student government, which also placed me as a student trustee on the board of trustees. So that was my first real taste of politics. Um, I went after the, uh, the um, uh, what do we call it, an advisory vote for the student trustees. So that put me into some politics there with some universities and some others. So that's my only real touch with politics, but I've always been paying attention. I've always been watching the news. As a matter of fact, I can remember as a kid, uh, my grandfather, anytime when I was very close to my grandparents, when I went over to my grandfather's house back in the day when they had newspapers, he'd have newspapers all over the uh, dining room table. And he was reading all day or watching the news. I've kind of become that guy in my later life. So uh, I haven't been as active as I would like to say I have been, but I'm definitely intending to do that at this point in my life. Yeah, I know um, in my life, my grandparents, my grandmother was always talking about what was going on in the world. Um, and we, She would always be testing me on geography and history and things like that. Uh, It feels like in some ways those conversations are different these days. Maybe kids aren't exposed to it in the same way or, um, you know, my kids are, my kids vote, but is that something you've seen too? Maybe people aren't exposed to politics in the same way as maybe we were? I think they're not necessarily not exposed to it. Well, they aren't exposed to it. And I think it's because it's such a negative thing these days. It became real negative for me. Uh, probably back in the Boehner days when he was Speaker of the House. And I just kept hearing the word bipartisan thrown around, yet there was no bipartisanship. We weren't getting anything done. Um, and it's just gotten worse and worse. And, of course, as we went, we entered into the, the Trump era, man, the alarm bells just went off. I mean, all the red flags went up. Um, we're not heading in the right direction. We're heading backwards. So I, I think that people want to be engaged, but they're so – I know that while Trump was in office, for me – it just got to be so encompassing to just what has he done today? What are we going to be hearing that he's done today or that's gone wrong? So I think people get turned off to that. They don't want, they they expect their people to go into office, uh, be professional and do the things we've asked and expected them to do. But when they don't, it's just, it's, it's, it's turned people away. That's my personal. Yeah. And I find the the word bipartisan, it seems so vague and almost meaningless in a lot of ways. Cause let's say, 
extreme examples. One person says, I'd like to work across the aisle so we can um, improve our healthcare infrastructure. We can have new hospitals in our area, make sure we have nurses adequate, um, and, and that ambulances can get to people on time. And then the other person says, my goal is to just get rid of four states. We have too many. Let's just nuke them. And they'll say, why can't we be bipartisan? Why can't we get someone from the other side on this? Like, well, well, one position, like being bipartisan on something terrible doesn't necessarily make it good, right? Correct. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to get back to the day and age. And, and this is one of the things that I certainly want to attempt to bring back to, uh, to politics is that we have people in there that are going in there that understand that our democracy has been founded on a two-party system, wherein about we have a conservative side and we have a liberal side. And we hope that our politicians will bring us somewhere near to the center and that that, that will do what is of greatest benefit to the majority. Mm-hmm. We've, we've slipped away from that. It's, it's all you're either one side or you're the enemy on the other side. We can't be that way. We can't operate like that. And that's so obvious in what's been going on again. And I, I don't want to pick on any one individual, but I think we all know that once Trump got in there, things became far more divisive than they ever had been. And he's, he's catapulting off all of this stuff that's been occurring or accumulating over a number of years. And it's, and it's, it's my fault. It's our fault as citizens. We have not held our representatives accountable. When we get in, a person gets in and they're not doing what they, what their platform stated and what they said they were going to do and how they presented themselves. Our opportunity is right there to say, you know what? You had four years to show that you were going to do what you said you were going to do. And you didn't. So we're going to try the next guy. And I think that will send a message loud and clear as we move forward that, hey, you know what? The citizens are engaged and they really want us to be doing the right thing. And we're going to be held accountable. I want to be held accountable. Um, so I think if we can get back to that kind of, of thinking and, and, and we can actually show that there is some respectability in our politicians. They're not just out there trying to do things for themselves and hold power, you know, and, and, and be wealthy that we actually care about the citizens that we live among will be a far better place, a far better country. And we'll be moving forward rather than the, the, in the, the, the direction that we're headed, which is backwards. You know, Florida is obviously an interesting state. A lot of people like to make fun of it. And, it, you know, to me, every state deserves good, effective representation, whether they are a more democratic state or not. You know, people will make fun of Texas, but there's millions of people there that deserve health care, for example. They deserve good schools. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the Florida politicians, you have Marco Rubio, who was in the state legislature and then worked up to the Senate and then ran for president, might want to be vice president, who knows. Uh, t- the, uh, govern- the other senator, uh, he was um, governor, obviously kind of worked, and a number of other people in Florida seem to work through the legislature, other things, Republicans, almost like they're eyeing the next level. Is that something that you've seen locally that, you know almost like their own their service in the state government is with an eye towards higher and higher government instead of maybe their regular job. I think that's absolutely accurate. And, and the reason I think I believe that, and I feel I, I'm in agreement with you on that is that I don't think the people uh, enough of the people that are getting into office are getting into office for the very reasons I just stated. And that is to serve the people they're getting into office to serve themselves more than they are the constituents that they've been voted in for. So until we get people in that are genuinely interested in doing the right thing and that are held accountable for doing the right thing or the wrong thing, we're just going to continue in this problem. It's going to continue to degrade. 
And I think running for office is great. That's the whole reason I have my podcasts. I get involved. I'm getting petitions for people running for all sorts of office. Um, but if you're running for state legislature and then you run your, your mind is solely on Congress or Senate or president, then as you can see kind of in Florida as a perfect example, your governing style is focused on nationalizing issues or national issues more than kind of the local issues, right? Yeah, I think so because I think um, people again are seeing how our, our, our president in particular, I mean, he has the largest platform. He has the largest bully pit. And when we get to, when we, we turn on the TV and we see the president of the United States saying things that are contrary to what we've always believed. Just, I mean, the biggest one being Roe versus Wade. I mean, he's proud of the fact that he stripped us of that. He brags about that. Trump and yet we can, yeah, we can clearly see that the majority of people don't hold to that, whether it be male or female. So again, I, I can't emphasize enough. I think that until people start holding people accountable for whatever, whether you're the dog catcher, the, the state commissioner for the, you know, uh, your school board or you're the mayor where you're the congressman or the senator, we all have to we have to be involved with those people that are in our particular areas, watching what they do and holding them accountable. So you know, you see sometimes polling, including in the state of Florida, where they'll say seventy percent of people think that abortion should be should be legal. Maybe some restrictions, whatever. I don't have a. I'm not going to get into those details, but they'll they will oppose overturning Roe. Um, so the huge majorities for that. And then they'll say, oh, who do you want to be president? They'll be like, well, 55 to 60% of us are voting for Trump. Like, that's a There's a huge p amount of people that seem to be voting against their stated self-interest. Not like me saying, oh, you know, you should be voting for this. But they're saying one thing, and it seems like then they're voting another way. Is that something you see? Do you have any idea why? Well, you know, as I've gone out there, Tony, and started to talk to people more and more often, I find that I find I find that to be very true. I mean, they say that they have these particular set of values and that they you know they agree with you on certain issues, but then when you try to talk to them about the fact that well, who are you voting for? Because they, you know, the first question you get out there is, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Mm -hmm. And here in this state, it, it, it's almost it's it's a phenomenon to me because I almost want to take away the flag from you and take away your rights and your you don't have those rights. You're, you're on the side of killing babies and doing these kinds of horrible things. And I can't say or emphasize enough how much none of us that I talk to have those values. But in answering your question, yes, I think that um, uh, a number of people are they have a certain set of, of values and things that they want to see happen. But because of the almost I want to call it the cultish. And I hate using that word, but because I, I, I'm not I'm not sure that's quite 100 percent accurate, but, but it is somewhat cultish. They're being drug into things because this president and his or his followers are saying these things. And yet it's not where the heart really is at. So I, I, to explain it, man, I wish I had the answer. I really do. Because like I say, I talk to these people and I try to take them backwards from the issues, whether it's Roe versus Wade or it's gun legislation or whatever it is, and try to get them to see, Hey, what, what, what you're hearing from him is the opposite of what you're saying to me. But I see it every day, and, and I can't explain the phenomenon 100%. I wish I could. Yeah, you know, Michelle Obama has talked about um, it's hard to hate up close. And I've experienced yes. this kind of seeing people who – and granted, look, I come from this uh, uh, state of privilege. I'm a straight white male, age 18 to 45, uh, only to 45 for a couple more years. So that's kind of close. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I am um, just using a Homer Simpson quote there. But um, 
So <laughs> I, I, I feel like there are a number of people who get wrapped up in Fox News or social media who like they will be voting against LGBT rights. They'll be voting. They'll be frothing at the mouth, angry about immigration. But honestly, if they were around like one on one with someone who was from um, Central America or if they were around someone who was trans, they would more likely just be respectful and fine if they weren't if someone wasn't kind of poking the needle. Is that how it is in Florida? Like, am, am I wrong? Or do you think people like if given the chance, they will be respectful and nice, but they're kind of driven to this? Well, there are two two uh, circumstances or instances that come to my mind as you say what you're saying. One is I went and I met with a friend of mine that I worked with in, in out in the in the uh, construction industry who had a younger friend. He wanted me to talk to him. Now, the, I won't say this younger man's name, of course, mm-hmm. but he was actually forming his own militia. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was actually trying to form his own militia. I spent I'm going to guess we spent three hours at a restaurant talking, and I did just what I said before. I started taking him backwards. And I started pointing out the facts, things that he hadn't heard, because just as you said, he's in that funnel. Because when you talk to these people, they all have the same talking points. We're not a diplomatic. We're not a constitutional democracy. Um, Our rights that we're going to have our guns taken away. You know, all of these things, they say the same things. But when you sit and talk to somebody like that and say, well, look, did you know this? Did you know Biden has done this? Did you know that this has happened? Do you know Trump has said that? They do listen and they go, you know, I didn't know that. I haven't heard that before. And I heard the same thing just a couple of days ago. I was out at an event with the homeless, um, homeless vets and just homeless people, period. And they, a number of them said the same things. They were saying some of the same talking points. But as I talked to them and, again, took them backwards and started pointing out some of the, the facts, the, the facts that are, that are generated by not just Fox or the, the uh, Internet sites that they're, they're following their information through, but that they looked at uh, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, PBS, BBC – all of the different things and then take that information and use that to garner your, your actual uh, overall perspective of things. You start to see them start to bang. Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize it. That's not, it gives me a little something to think. Doesn't, I'm not saying that they've changed their mind and I've, I've turned mm-hmm. them around I'm saying it's given them something to think about. And they are civil with me. I don't think I've had, but maybe two incidences where I've had anybody be really, kind of really super nasty to me where I thought, man, am I going to get hurt here or something? Most everybody has been respectful and they just, they're just being, they're just being fed this bad information because they're good people. Mm -hmm. They're just being, and I'll tell you this, Tony, when I, when I saw when Trump was coming out and I was running my own little construction business, I had people I was working with who who I respected immensely. They had, uh, they had done well successfully in real estate construction, these things, but they were super geeked about Trump. And I couldn't, and I couldn't understand. I thought, oh, that's, you know, that'll pass. That'll, that'll pass when they see him in office. Right. But it didn't, it didn't. And these are smart people, mm-hmm. you know, so, again, it's that phenomenon that I, I can't completely explain other than I guess that they're attracted to the fact that he is, they, they consider him strong, you know, uh, and they consider his message strong, but the message in my opinion is so wrong in so many respects that uh, again, it, is, it astonishes me. Well, speaking of uh, strong people from Florida, Hulk Hogan is a big, strong guy. I don't think he'd be a very good president. <laughs> no, I, I would agree. Absolutely. We've got a lot of people, and that's another of the things that triggered me. To, you know, When I got into this, I didn't get into this saying, hey, I, I, I raised my hand and I want to be a state senator. I raised my hand and I started talking and said, look, I'd like to get involved, whether mm-hmm. it's a poll worker or supporting a candidate 
whatever, but there are just not enough good candidates. Mm-hmm. I, and I know I can be a good candidate. I'm confident in myself, but I'm certainly uh, well aware that I can be a good candidate. When I look at people like Margie Tyler, Taylor Green, Matt Gates, and some of these others that are that are just, in my, I'm just going to be straight up, but they, they're just clowns in my opinion. They don't stand for anything other than tearing down democracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that history is going to speak very, very poorly of them. I think it's going to speak very, very poorly of the Republican Party at this particular particular juncture in regards to the fact that more didn't stand up, have the, the guts to stand up. So, you know what? I may lose my office, you know, such as um, uh, Cheney's daughter, the vice president's daughter. What's her first Liz, name? Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger and people like that. Uh, that, have, that have gone up, the few, the very few that have actually stood up and said, this is not right. This is, you know, we, we were playing politics for a while because politics gets dirty and ugly. But this is beyond dirty. This is beyond ugly. This makes no sense. But they didn't rise up and stop that. They've enabled this kind of behavior. So that's why I think, you know, again, that's, that's, that's the mess we're in now. So you're rising up to run for the state Senate. Um, what, why is the state Senate important to you? Why is the state legislature? Because a lot of people, I think, just don't pay attention to their state legislature, whether it's a Republican, Democrat, whatever state. So why is it important to you? I think that's exactly why it's important to me, because people aren't paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. And that allows for people to get in there who are qualified and don't have our best interest at heart. So when I was asked, Phil, look, we've got a congressional seat and we've got a Senate seat. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. When I thought about the Congress on any level, I was like, no, <laughs> they're just too great. I just don't know that I want to be involved in that. But the Senate seems to conduct itself a little more appropriately. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to go for a high office like either one of those, I'm going to go for the Senate. So that's why I put myself where I'm at right now. And and so what what do you think, because you've talked to people, obviously, about it, you're running. Um, what is important about the state legisl- legislature? Like, what do you think other people should know, maybe if they're thinking about how to make a difference, of why running for state legislature is important? Well, I guess because, uh, in effect, that that's where we're going to get, we've got to get legislation or bills turned into actual laws. And I think that, again, those are the people right now that are the most serious and can have the most impact mm-hmm. on what is going to happen in our country. Now, I, I, I obviously, Tony, I haven't been in an office, so I don't know exactly how the day-to-day operations go and what all of my, so to speak, and I, I want to use the word very loosely, powers, or my authority would be. But I know that there's a great deal of strength in that. And, and uh, the people that are in those positions today are not doing the job and not carrying the weight. So I know I'll have an education for myself ahead. I'm already educating myself on what they do on a daily basis. Reached out to some to see if I can do some mentoring with them uh, in, in, in preparation for that. I'm preparing myself on issues by spending no less than four hours a day on the different topics because you know we, we're constantly asked as, as candidates what are, what are your platform issues? Well, there's so many. I mean, how do you, I mean, from gun legislation, as I, I've talked to you before about, to Roe versus Wade, to environmental issues, uh, to just the, uh, you know, um, women's rights, the women's right to choose. All of these things are critical, but there are so many others. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where I feel uh, people should pay, they should definitely be paying more attention. And, and, and when it comes to helping, you don't have to you don't have to run for an office if that's not your thing. Not everybody wants to get up and speak in front of people and be that engaged and, and be that involved. But you can do as you know, we just opened our Democratic Lee County Democratic headquarters yesterday here. 
and the number of people that came in through the five hours that we did this open house uh, that, that were involved, each of them were involved in a different uh, degree. Some were involved day to day. Some just gave a day a week. Uh, some wanted to help the candidates. Some just wanted to help the party. Um, there's so many different avenues of approach. You can do it from your home for an hour a day and it makes an impact. Just just saying, hey, you know, I want to be aware of the issues and then be able to go out and speak to others. That's a huge thing right there that every one of us can do. So that, I guess, would be the best answer I could probably give to that question, Tony. I hope I answered that. One one thing you did talk about, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it from being in Florida. Um, you, we had emailed back and forth about homeowner insurance costs. And the, obviously, the, that's important whatever state you're in. But Florida, it's uniquely important. Uh, and I think people don't know what's going on there. And maybe the state legislature is not doing enough uh, to address it, kicking the can down the road, hoping someone else will kind of pay the bill for it. What, what's what do people need to know about that issue? And and like you might not have a bill for it, obviously, but like what kind of things would you want to accomplish to affect that? Well, I guess what I would have to say to that, you know, is um, and that's a that's a tough question because, like I say again, I'm not super versed in all this, but we obviously have a problem where our citizens can't, and I'm one of them. You can't, if you can afford the house, you probably can't afford the insurance. You certainly can't afford both and afford your groceries and to put your kids through school and to do all the things that I was able to do as I was growing up. Um, I guess what we, you know, what I would propose and want to do is start sitting down and looking at why do we have such high cost in insurance? Where is it? What, what's driving those things? What's driving? Mm-hmm. And you see, right, Florida is, is different. I moved from Illinois to here and I was astonished at the difference in price. As a matter of fact, I had a real estate license just before the economy collapsed. Okay. It was worth nothing to me because nobody could afford a home. Homes weren't being purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're heading back to that same that same same stance right now. Property values are rising high above what they're worth. People can't afford to insure them. The very place that I live in, just in the last couple of years, after and, and, and certainly after Ian, it floods now every time it rains. My road floods to where I can't even drive down to the end of my road and park my vehicle in my driveway. Um, I recognize that in our state we have hurricanes, you know, almost every year that we have cycles of hurricanes and storms and flooding and that we have a water encroachment, um, you know, with the sea levels rising. Those are big issues, overbuilding. So those things, I think, are driving some of these issues. And uh, again, it's something that I have to definitely further educate myself on and speak to more of the people who are in the positions to uh, to regulate and to to advise us on how we can step away from this because it's not it should it shouldn't it should not be that in our country a person can't even afford not only to buy but even afford to be able to rent a place now down here when i was looking for a place to rent uh before the place that i'm in i was looking at a minimum for one guy of seventeen hundred dollars in rent mm-hmm. now that's a lot of money to pay for rent for a very modest place yeah so imagine what it would cost for somebody buying a home and doing some of these other things yeah, I realized for my wife and I and our family, we got our house uh, 12 years ago or so around, and our mortgage rate's very low. Like, it's an affordable monthly payment, even though, like, other costs have risen. And because the um, the mortgage rate is low and, you know, we've put in so much money into it, 
while I love my house, I love my neighborhood, it's almost a huge disincentive to move, right? Like I wouldn't want to buy another house at a much higher rate for a much higher cost unless I had to. Is that something you're seeing that in Florida, I assume, and that probably impacts, especially maybe with older residents, right? Because if you're older, you have even less of incentive to move. Like I'm going to stay in this house and then younger people, well, they can't afford, there's no house around that they can afford to buy. And that's exactly what I'm hearing from all the people that I speak to. I, I hear it more from young than I probably do the older people because it may be a little more proud. I don't know. But I definitely hear every day, how can I, I – I've gone to college. I've gone to high school. I've done all the things that I was told to do that would make me successful. Now I've got these loans, and that's another subject. But how do I, with what I'm now earning, afford to even rent a place and then pay – if I have to pay renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance – pay my taxes on that property, and then the maintenance on that property, it just becomes an impossibility. And it's, and it's, and it's turning people, it's, it's what's turning people so angry and away from, I think, somewhat democracy and more towards what people like Trump are saying, I can fix this, but we're not getting it fixed. So, you know, again, I don't know what all the drivers are on all of these issues, but it's certainly something I intend to look at as soon as I get into office and then put people and myself onto uh, how we can work reversing these things, put them more in favor for the people. You know, the way you talk about yourself and not kind of assuming, oh, I have the golden answer. Um, it reminds me, like you said, you are a veteran. And I think that for my experience, knowing, uh, doing some advocacy work with veterans is uh, a different way of learning and not just assuming you know something, right? How has serving the country kind of informed your way of learning about issues and tackling them? so that people know as a candidate, if you get elected, that's how you will respond to different kinds of issues. Well, I think the thing that a military person brings to the table first and foremost is probably their discipline. When you go into the military and you go through your basic training, you, you learn and you recognize immediately that you are now a part of a much bigger picture. You're a part of something much, much bigger than yourself. And that's the protection of a great country. Um, so when I look at things, I try to do along the lines of what I learned in psychology, and that is to question everything, question every person, what their motives are, what's driving you to tell me what you're telling me, where are you from, what's your background? Those things can all give me a, a huge up in what I'm hearing from you and whether I'm going to validate that and how much I want to personally act on it. But I think, again, it's the, it's the discipline that we receive in the military, the fact that we know that we are a part of something bigger and that we, that we do have a part in that. And that we, we were required and it's our, it's our duty. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel strongly it's my duty. I've had, you know, Tony, I've had a very good life. I grew up in a fantastic, huge family. Uh, both sides of my family were good, solid citizens. We had no real crime in our families, uh, business owners. I grew up learning, uh, you know, to respect my elders and hold mm -hmm. the door for a woman and the things that we've kind of lost today. So I'm blessed. And that's why I say, at this point in my life where I'm at, at 59 years and I'm, I'm just being very frank, you know, I look at myself as having 20 more if I'm if I'm blessed, good years, cognitive years and physical years where I can get out and make an impact on this country. And when I leave and go to see my maker and I, I rise to see my family again, they can say, you know what, you did, you, you did, you had a, you had a blessed life and then you paid it back to an extent. You really went out there and did the right thing for the people and the people that remember you, that do remember you, remember what you did and, and the contribution that you made. So I think that's the up that, and it's the integrity, you know, the, you know, there's a lot of integrity in individuals that have been in the military. You, you can't be running around, uh, 
in the military line and making comments and doing things that just don't make sense. You, you have to have a purpose. So my purpose of this podcast is to, to encourage people to run for office and to highlight those stories. You are in the process of doing that now. You've only been doing it for a little bit, talking to voters. But all, even in the short time, if someone's listening and they feel like, you know, I got to do something, why would you encourage other people to take up the mantle and run for office too, whether it's state legislature or, you know, city council or whatever it is? That's a super awesome question. And I, I've got a great answer. And it isn't really wasn't even my answer. The other day, again, I said I was in an open house. And one of the guys made the comment. He said, you know what? If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. If you're not, uh, you know, you're, if you're not doing something, you're not out there being active, you're going to get eaten. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Republican Party is pretty much. They're eating us up because everybody can play a role. Again, as I said earlier, no matter how small or how large, if each of us, and I mean each of us, don't get involved, we're going to continue to see this degradation of our democracy. And our country isn't going to look anywhere near what it looked like as I was growing up. And I don't mean to say, you know, I know there are people who say, well, we don't want to go back. I don't want to go backwards either. But there are a lot of good things about the old days. You know, we didn't have this kind of division. People helped each other out. I think you will probably remember, maybe you'll remember uh, as, a, as a youngster. I remember in my neighborhood growing up that if somebody had a family member that was sick or had lost a family member, the whole neighborhood would rally around that person. Maybe go mow their yard, take them a dish, offer to drive them somewhere. You know, these kinds of things. We don't see that kind of thing. You don't see people out in their backyard on the leaning over the fence and talking to their neighbor as they're spraying their yard and their gardens down. Those things have kind of died away from us. So everybody being involved is absolutely critical, no matter who you are, what's your perspective. If we, we need people to be active and involved because no one person, no one small group of people can affect major change. It takes all of us in congruent working together to make the changes happen that are going to make a country great. And that's what that's the way we were before. People were proud to vote. They dressed up and they were they took real pride in voting. And I know there's still a lot of Americans that do. Um, but we've got to we've got to instill that again into our our youth and get them involved. And that's where it really starts is our youth. We've got to get them involved. And that's something we're doing here, you know, every day trying to talk to the colleges and universities and draw in students from political science and all other degrees. This is this is all of our obligation. It's every one of us's responsibility. I appreciate that. I know that it's it's easy to feel like you did something because you made a Facebook post, but it's more important whether it's politics or just like your neighborhood, like you said. But it makes a bigger difference, like just knowing your neighbors and um, you know when when people don't feel uh, secure, not necessarily because of crime, but just like they don't know if they're going to be staying in their house for a long time. Maybe they don't feel as connected to their community. So the more you can do to Make sure people feel connected, whether it's in their neighborhood or their county or whatever, uh, then they'll be looking out for each other more. Um, so with that in mind, if people want to learn more about you, maybe be reach out, support you, or you know, get some encouragement, what's the best way that people can learn more about you and your campaign? Well, I do have a website, and I'll give you that. The website is www.pcarter, and then the number four florida.com and if they want to reach out to me i have an email which is info info at again p carter the number four florida.com and i would be happy to respond to anybody that sends me an email well i appreciate it i think people need to learn more about who's running for state legislatures pay attention to those issues because with everything nationalized what's happening in florida 
could happen in Pennsylvania. It could happen in New York. It could happen anywhere, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, the, the things that happen to state legislatures often are seeping into other states. Um, and, you know, that could be the future of our politics, whether it's a good thing or a not so good thing. <laughs> I agree. I agree, Tony. Well, I wish you the best of luck in 2024, and I can't wait to find out how you do. Thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you. And if you're listening, maybe you should take a lesson from Phil and you should run for office too.